Don't live in your little bubble. Like get outside of the comfort zone, man. That's where life is. That's where the energy comes from. And maybe in the very, very beginning, it's just saying, you know what? I never would have considered doing this. Maybe I should try it. Podcast Junkies episode 147. Welcome back. I'm your host, Harry Duran. If you've never heard my name, then you're probably new to the show. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. This is the show that all your friends are talking about. This is the one where we have fantastic conversations with amazing podcasters and we just get them to relax and put that, turn that knob on that recliner, on that lazy boy, and just let us know what's on their mind and let us know what's happening in the world of podcasting and in their world in general. So the questions are all over the map and I never know what they're going to be until the show starts. So it's a lot of fun. In case you missed last week's show, we had a great conversation with Jim Collison, host of Ask the Podcast Coach and founder of Average Guy Network. Jim is a podcast OG veteran, and it's just one of those conversations that was long overdue, and I'm glad we were able to connect. I kept uh, bumping into him, both online and at the conferences, so I'm glad we were able to make it work. A lot of of wisdom um, with Jim, and I think you'll really enjoy that conversation. This week, we have the pleasure of speaking with the one and only Scott Mulvaney, host of Live the Fuel. Scott and I connected at uh, MapCon, which is the conference you've heard me talk about previously, and it's based out of Philadelphia. We have a really interesting conversation. Um, He's from Allentown, Pennsylvania. He's definitely an adrenaline junkie. The energy level is off the charts. But we talk about his background and how his podcast has helped him grow his brand, what made him decide that he wanted to fight fires of all things. That's an interesting story. Um, Opening up about his struggles and challenges on his podcast and uh, the story of his first jump among many other topics that we cover. And I'm not kidding, the energy level is super high with with Scott. And so it's really contagious and and I think you guys will have a lot of fun. As always, full show notes are available on the site. You can go to podcastjunkies.com slash 147. And this episode is brought to you by Podbean. Podbean is now making available dynamic ad insertion, which you can get started with today. It's really an all-in-one service. If you have a sponsor on your show, you control everything. You can set the ad position in the episodes. You can have limited duration campaigns. Essentially, the ads are set up uh, the way that you've selected for your show. Um, You can try it out. The first three campaigns are free. So head on over to uh, this. I created a link just for this because the URL is a bit long. So head on over to uh, podcastjunkies.com slash dynamic, D-Y-N-A-M-I-C, and it'll take you straight to the Podbean dynamic ads insertion page. Make sure you stay till the end of the episode where I reveal this week's retention hashtag for the cool kids playing along at home. But for now, enjoy my conversation with Scott. So Scott Mulvaney, host of Live the Fuel. Thank you for joining me on Podcast Junkies. I am honored to join you, sir. Uh, this might be the shortest time from meet to coming on the show. <laughs> I'm trying to I was think. Just saying, is, is there an average threshold? I don't know. I mean, what, what's it normally like for you? Um, in term, like from the, you mean when I meet to get, meet to get on? <laughs> yeah, meet to get on. I think it's just. Um, it's hard to put it's no hard and fast rule but typically they're at conferences and like it was with mapcon and it's just usually after a beer or two or just a a hallway conversation or just just something where you get a feel you know you can tell within the first you know 30 seconds of meeting someone if they're cool people or not and then after you know another five or ten minutes or two and a half hour podcast then you can kind of (laughs) sweet i i say after two at least all i had to do to get on your show faster is just set up a live podcast recording session for two and a half freaking hours yeah. in a hotel lobby after a conference and then just have random people like yourself jumping in and that's how it works. I'll just keep doing that. Yeah, it's, sort of, it's, it's almost like a like a Venus flytrap sort of thing, right? For, for that was ridiculous. I've never done, literally one of my regular followers, he's one of my athletes that I coach and he, he messages me and he's today and he's like, two and a half hour podcast, really? <laughs> Because it aired today, and he gets the downloads, oh, and he's okay. like, he's like, it's still downloading to my app, and I said, enjoy. <laughs> did, did you do any editing? No, okay. I don't edit my podcast. Okay. I keep it. I, I 
number one, I just don't want to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> number two, I was like, I don't do podcasting to get paid. I, mm-hmm. We talked about this a lot at MapCon that eventually, yes, I would want to find the right monetization strategy, right? Yeah. I want to keep things pure and organic. I do this for fun, but eventually I'm building a platform. Yeah. But it's like, I'm not, I don't have the time to edit. And I outsource the editing now as it is anyway. But I was like, you know what? If somebody drops some profanity during the show, who cares? It just mm-hmm. means they're having fun or they're being passionate. And I don't want to filter out the natural flow of things. Yeah. And uh, some of my favorite podcasts that I follow are just like that. So I just said, I just said, you know, what? I'm going to emulate my favorite shows and take some of the best practices from them when I create my brand and my show. Mm-hmm. So, so for the benefit of the listener, I've mentioned uh, in social on the social media feed, and I think already a, a couple of times on this podcast uh, about MapCon. But I think it'd be a nice change of pace to have you talk about what your experience with 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 the conference has been, how you heard about it, and for people who have never been, like how you would explain it. I can explain it as well. Quick rewind, as of MapCon, is that two weeks ago yet? Yeah, two weeks. I think uh, yeah, Two weeks already. Yeah. Man, yeah. <laughs> All right, so two weeks ago, and then rewind one year ago, was my first MapCon. So MapCon 2016. As far as answering part of your, connect, your question on how I even found it, my boy Michael O'Neill of the Solopreneur Hour was a speaker there last year. Mm-hmm. So he flew in from San Diego. Uh, I've, I, I worked with Michael. He was one of my, one of my many coaches that I've worked with over the years when I was developing my brand, even though I'm a marketing guy and a branding guy, I'm like, I just like, yeah, I just needed to talk to somebody else about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I tell people all the time on my show, I'm like, you know what? Every good coach has a coach. Oh yeah. If you're, if you're working with a coach who doesn't have a coach, fire your coach. <laughs> <laughs> Tiger Woods, right? He has a coach. Exactly. And then how about it? Real quick side note, Tiger Woods fired his coach and what happened? He like his, I forget how many years ago it was, man. He went in the tank yeah. and then I, th- I think he ended up bringing that coach back. Didn't he? I don't, I don't know. know. It was a whole, yeah. Yeah, I, don't, I, I don't follow golf enough. It I, bores me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not the guy to, to ask. <laughs> no, no. Um, anyway, back to the point is, so I, I said, you know, I, I was just launching this show. I'd been working with Michael up to that point. I'm like, oh, and it's right outside of Philly and I live in Allentown, Pennsylvania. So I'm like, okay, an hour and a half away. I have to go there. I mean, I really like going to conferences as it is. I've been a crazy obsessed podcast consumer for like four or five years. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'm going. And I wanted to support Michael. So that's how I got connected. That's how I went. And I literally launched that week that I attended MapCon 2016. So that's why I obviously had to come back this year because it's be the one year anniversary. Uh, But also it was an honor. Super Joe Pardo, the founder of MapCon. And also DreamCon, which yeah. I spoke at before this year's MapCon, his new event, uh, I he invited me back to speak here. So I was like, well, I'm definitely coming back. <laughs> yeah. And so, so, and it, going back to your, uh, to close out the, your question, I go to events because you can't beat the power and the energy of immersing yourself in a culture of, and being surrounding yourself with peers that you've never met before, or maybe you have met before. And there's just so much power that comes out of that. So... Was that your first podcasting conference? It was okay. last year, <laughs> not this yeah, year, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it was like that's the other thing. I'm like, hey man, get yourself out of your normal circles of influence, cross pollinate, and especially if I'm going to step in to an arena that I've been a, a voracious consumer on for years, and now I'm a, you know I'm a host and I have my own show. It's like okay, from a marketing perspective, like other podcasts should know who you are, right? Yeah, totally. So, so if I claim it, to be a podcast junkie, <laughs> I should be going around other podcast junkies. Of course, uh, consuming all things podcasting. So, uh, what? So, is your background marketing, and then and now you're using podcasting as a way to grow that? Wasn't really as far as using podcasting for that. I mean, it obviously has fallen into that great easy way to grow a brand, right? So, yeah, yeah I mean, I've spent I've spent years uh, again years ago. I spent years in in management. And uh, the call center telecommunications industry, then the IT industry. Uh, in I did a lot of coaching and development in those worlds and training and, and management. Then went back to school on nights and weekends. Uh, uh, finished a BS in psychology and marketing. So obviously decided to feed that. And I spent two or three other companies doing sales for them before I became more entrepreneurial. So yeah, I've got a little bit of a niche in the sales and marketing sector. So it just made sense. I'm already growing live the fuel in the social media space and my, my own personal mantra, my brand behind live the fuel. So it's like, why the hell not launch my own podcast since I talk too much per, per my fiance as it is. <laughs> so why not have a show where I'm allowed to talk? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it, it has helped uh, grow uh, definitely uh, live the fuel following uh, actually since launching the show, my email list grows faster. 
my YouTube followers grow faster. So interesting perspective. So can you talk a little bit about the origin of the brand, Live the Fuel? I definitely can. So I don't know if the camera angle, you can see these little post-its hanging here. Yeah. So picture a wall <laughs> covered in post-its a couple of years ago when I was creating Live the Fuel. And I was talking with Michael O'Neill and I was in his little private coaching group back then called Solo Lab. And again, for your listeners, man, very successful podcaster, the proudly unemployables. His show is a solopreneur hour. I'm a big fan. He was my first episode that I launched with. Uh, but anyway, I, I decided I'm a big keyword guy when I'm working on branding. Mm -hmm. So I, I just slapped down every keyword on a post-it that I could think of that meant something to me in my life over the years. And I, you know, quick rewind. I mean, if you break up the corporate life, I also spent two years serving as a wildland firefighter out West with the U S forest service. So, nice. so like whole different sector of keywords there, right? Yeah. <laughs> you got business world, tech world, uh, athletic fitness world, which is a big part of my life. And then the firefighting world. So I had a lot of words to work with mm -hmm. and I decided to take a favorite quote that I'd been using for years to inspire myself and others from Ernest Hemingway, which is live life to the fullest. Mm -hmm. And coming from the corporate world and the government world, everybody loves freaking acronyms. It's like acronym city. It's impossible to not get through a piece of paperwork without a freaking acronym. So yeah. I was like, all right, fine. I'm going to make my own. So live the fuel was a translation from, uh, you know, living life to the fullest. I wanted my own version of that. So I created live the, and then fuel is fired up epic life. Nice. Okay. I'm a big motivational guy, inspirational guy, high energy, adrenaline junkie. Boom. That's what it all came into fruition that way. And it helped when I started researching the combination of those three words and nobody controlled that space. So when you can lock down every single social media domain with the at live the fuel and own the domain within five minutes, yeah. it's pretty much a guarantee that that's what I'm going with. You, you pounce <laughs> on that. Oh, I owned it, man. Within five minutes, I owned the domain, depending on how fast the, Go the GoDaddy server was. Uh, the next five minutes, I already had a setup on the hosting. I'd already launched a temporary WordPress site and then went on Facebook and everywhere else and just locked down every damn you know account that I could to have outlive the fuel, yeah. just to make sure that nobody else could take it from me. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I did that with uh, Podcast Junkies. The one I didn't get was Twitter, it was, and I had to go to Podcast underscore Junkies. Someone had That's it, and, and it's been squatting on it since, I, I think they still only have like five followers. At Are some, they even using it? Yeah, they're not even using it. That's the worst part. <sighs> so, I mean, at this point, it's a brand, and I can actually claim it back at this point if, if I think you can do a trademark or something like that. So that's in the works, but I think um, I, all the other properties I, I do have. It. And I think it's safe to say that once you type in Podcast Junkies, most of the stuff that comes up is mine. So that's not bad. Well, also because I follow you, so that comes up right away. But I admittedly, I didn't even realize there was somebody else using Podcast Junkies. Yeah. And like, So somebody had a great idea and then never did anything with it. That's Yeah, and who knows what they thought about it when they were when they were doing it, so... I mean, so let me rewind to you then. I mean, I not, I've only listened to a few of your shows because, again, that's one of the struggles of being a podcaster is like, there's only so many shows you can listen to. Yeah. And I always feel guilty. Um, but what made you lock down that mantra, that brand, that ownership? And though, yeah, I did find them. They have like one, they're following one person, <laughs> and they have 12 followers, and their logo is a picture of Sony headphones. Really? Yeah. <laughs> okay, just yeah, give so, it up. So we'll work. <laughs> We need, uh, there's probably people that specialize in tracking down or, or, or securing um, Twitter handles. So we'll, we'll get someone working on that. But yeah, yeah I mean, I, yeah, I mean, the listeners have heard the story, but for your benefit, I it's I was at a new media expo and I saw Cliff Ravenscraft speak and someone who introduced him before, Chris Murphy, talked about this idea of being a podcast junkie. And at the time I had probably 30, 30 to 40 um, podcast on my on my phone and i was like oh man that's me he's talking to and then i jumped on uh, john lee dumas's webinar for podcasters paradise and while yep. on the webinar i was like is this domain even available and i literally like grabbed it while i was on the webinar and, and then i proceeded to just track snag all the uh social media sites this is now three and a half years ago now this this is getting harder and harder to do but uh it was a sign and, and it just the name resonates because so many people it's just one of those phrases that it gets used and thrown around a lot, and I was just amazed that it was available at the time. Well, I look at it as this. The word junkie could have a positive or a negative connotation, right? right? I've been using adrenaline junkie in my branding for years. Mm -hmm. I mean, being a wildland firefighter, that embodied it right there. But, you know, skydiving and, and, rock, and mountain biking and rock climbing and skiing, like, I, I love it. I do it all. And so it's like, listen, there's so many negative connotations of the word junkie out there. There needs to be people building branding. Mm -hmm. behind positive spins of that word yeah. showing that you can 
because I, again, psychologically, I'm always coaching people on my like, guys, like take your negative energies and just reappropriate them into a positive space. So if you are a druggy junkie, okay, then let's take that, uh, that, um, obsessive compulsive type of disorder you may have. Mm-hmm. And all you got to do is reappropriate it to something positive. Yeah. I mean, I know that sounds probably way too easy than it is, but that's what we're talking about here. It's just a chemical hormonal alignment, man. Like, dude, if you're, if you love getting high off of that, let's go get high off something that's not going to kill you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when, when, uh, did, when I get the sense that, um, because of, you know, the, the podcast and, you know, the, the chat we had at the conference and, and just your energy level that's coming through, even on this conversation, um, when was there a transitional moment for you when you realized like you want to start helping people or was there something that you went through personally uh that made made you decide that this was something that you want to be a part of your life yes uh and it's funny because i've found myself only a few weeks ago just thinking about this i was trying to rewind back because i've been doing a lot of charity work over the years and Mm -hmm. trying to build purpose into my life more and more over the years and I keep going back and keep going back. And I'm like, okay, well, what year was this? What year was that? Like, okay, who influenced me here? What was my first charity experience where I was like literally 2000? At first, I thought it was 2006. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a woman by the name of Natalie Miller. I was leaving my corporate gig at T-Mobile. I was an analyst with them. I had prior been a coach with them. And I just was hating my life. I was chasing the salary, the degree, and everything else. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm down there in her martini club. She has a great restaurant. My buddy, who was the owner of the IT company that I ended up going to work with afterwards, uh, he's like, dude, you got to meet Natalie. And I'm sitting there. And she's like, all right, Scott, you're going to show up this Saturday. And you're going to go uh, help us uh, with our cancer charity. And I'm like, who the hell are you? And and what are you telling me what to do? Yeah. And then I, you know, I have two more martinis. And I was like, <laughs> okay. Um, so crazy rewind there, but then if I go further back, it wasn't that she was a very powerful influence. She got me to help her run her small local charity here. We used to raise over six figures a year for local cancer vaccine research happening here with the St. Luke's hospital. And that was just powerful. Like that was my first time ever trying to run a website, like try to figure that out. Mm -hmm. And we were running events and like our, our big event of year was a golf thing. And I sucked at golf and I'm like, I'm doing this stuff. I have nothing to do with it. And that, that led to years later of doing, uh, Habitat for Humanity. I helped build mm-hmm. five homes and run teams of volunteers on that and firefighting and everything else, right? But a few weeks ago, I realized it actually goes back to, and I know this sounds cheesy, but it goes back to 9-11. Okay. That's 2001. Because I was I was young. I was working at T-Mobile, working my way up in the company, no degree, just a monkey behind a phone and a headset. And 9-11 happened, and I was bartending on the side. So I've always had multiple jobs my whole life. I never could do one thing. So the day 9-11 happened, I was waking up to it. Then went into my bartending gig, because I wasn't working that day, uh, at, the, at the call center gig. And I'm watching all this unfold. Then I go the next day to go to my T-Mobile gig and work my full-time job. And after watching that all unfold and just blow your mind. And then I find out T-Mobile is shipping in pallet loads of cell phones mm-hmm. and shipping in their mobile. Like I had no idea we had mobile cell phone tower trailers that could transform like a freaking transformer. And boom, you've got temporary cell sites like parked right on the street. Because you know when, when, when the towers dropped, dude, one of those towers had a giant antenna array. Mm-hmm. Anybody and their mother and their son had a freaking tower connectivity to that hub. When that thing dropped... That affected every cell phone company. So anyway, it was just crazy seeing that. But just seeing, I was like, I wanted to be in it. I wanted to be there. I didn't have the time freedom, the financial freedom, the location freedom, just pick up and go. Or so I thought. You know, My mindset back then was just still very closed off. I didn't think I had the flexibility to do these things. Mm-hmm. I mean, fast forward to today, I could just, if I wanted to, I'm like, hey, if you believe in something that big, I got buddies of mine. They're out there with their former military guys right now in Texas, you know, He's posting photos all this week. They're out there giving back to the people surviving from the hurricane. Anyway, so 9-11 was the first big impact. Then watching Katrina, like I'm an action taker. And I said, you know what? Big picture. Let's rewind all the way back to that and then fast forward all the way to today. And that's where everything I do now today is like, you know, maybe you don't have to go there and be the boots on the ground. Why not build platforms or systems or communication channels to inspire and motivate other people to take those actions. And then I'll, I'll still fit in my action when I want. Like right now I'm doing a big fundraiser for the local chapter of the cystic fibrosis foundation has to do with excessive mucus buildup in your lungs. Like literally 
up until a few years ago, there was kids would never make it past their twenties. Like this is a genetic uh, predisposition. So I'm, I'm here a part of 12 other young professionals in our area where like the faces every year they pick people to be the face of the charity mm-hmm. and launch our fundraising campaigns. So every year I'm doing some type of charity campaign here and there. Uh, my road biking rides, I'm a road cyclist. I'm always going on every year. I'm doing like, uh, these hundred mile biking events that raise money. So it's just, it's now an ingrained in my life. 2001, it wasn't today. It's a part of everything I do. I'm always trying to cycle it in here and there throughout the year, right? Create some balance. So is that overly answer your question? <laughs> no, that's fine. It, it, I think it's important to give context because I get the sense that you are always firing on all cylinders. Uh, and you're always on the to go. A fault. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm saying like it's it, it's. I get the sense that you're always on the go. I mean, if you just look at all the the types of people that you you're interviewing on the show, you're doing hundred mile bike rides. Um, you know, you're a firefighter, uh, adrenaline self professed adrenaline junkie. Was it always like that, or was, was that the pivotal moment when everything changed and you you sort of like put your foot on the gas? I grew up not having to slow down because I was a farm kid, so. Like my dad wanted us to grow up raising animals, learning hard work. Like my first entrepreneurial thing was we had a, a chicken coop building and I would sell eggs on the side of the road. Okay. So like I, and then when I wasn't working on the farm, I was either in school or I was riding with my dad in his big cattle trucks. Cause he was a cattle broker. Uh, and he would go to the gate, you know, the farms and it was a service provider. He, you know, the farmers would outsource to my father, uh, to pick up their animals and either broker them to a slaughterhouse or a market or whatever. Like it's a whole thing. Like his father did it before him and then his father did it. And my younger brother is doing it now. So my brother, they both had their own separate businesses. So <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess I can use the crutch of, Oh, I was a hardworking farm kid. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I had to go for it all the time. Like you're up early in the morning, you go feed the animals before, and then shower and then go to school. That's just the way it was. I've just reallocated those energies into something more that fits my lifestyle. I didn't want to follow in those footsteps. Like even in high school, instead of taking college prep, because I, you know, I grew up in a family that you don't go to college. Like I didn't have, we didn't have that kind of funding. We didn't have that kind of vision until, you know, so I I started going to a Votech school. Mm -hmm. So my last three years of high school, I only went to school in the morning. Then I would commute down to a vocational educational school. And then I studied microelectronics technology until you know the end of the school day so i was at basically going to two schools and then i finished that program six months ahead of schedule and then worked hard to try and find a company willing to hire a kid still in high school to do a co-op program so before i even graduated high school i was already working for a technology company rebuilding one of their tech labs like that's how weird i am <laughs> <laughs> i get i get the sense that you you know you probably meet people uh, and it's intimidating because you probably have done more in the past year than some people get done in their entire lives. I, I joked around cause literally as we're recording this today, it's a Friday and yesterday I turned 40. So, Congrats. uh, I had a, but thank you, man. My, I had a buddy of mine. He's like, dude, he's like, what are you doing for your birthday? And I was like, I'm just chilling. He's <laughs> like, are, are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, dude, I've been traveling all week in and out of business to business meetings from one of my clients. Like I just, I'm always going, I was like, I'm just cool to chill spent some quality time with my fiance. She's an on-call vet uh, for her business. So she didn't have the time freedom for us to go do something. We're going to go out to a very nice dinner tonight. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we're supposed to go skydiving this weekend. So it's like, okay, I don't need to do it tonight. I like, this is my lifestyle. I don't, people are like, oh, well, what are you going to do on your birthday? I'm like, yeah. I do crazy crap all the time. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So it's like, it's just another day to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> every, every, every day I try to live every day of my life as if, as if, as if right. as going if back to Ernest birthday, Hemingway, right? yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. Like my mantra is, you know, living the fired up epic life. Yeah. I truly believe that if you're going to build a brand off of a mantra or if had, it, like I am my brand, that's how I decide to build it. Mm-hmm. Right. So I need to embody that. I take that personally and collectively accountable to me. So I was like, all right. I mean, yeah, I can't be firing all cylinders every single day, you're going to burn out. Okay. Yeah. I've had to, I've had to learn that piece too. Cause I'm also a CFL one CrossFit coach. So I've been coaching CrossFit for the past two years. Cause I learned CrossFit when I was serving as a hotshot out West. And I was like, I became hooked on that. Yeah. And you know, I've been a spinning instructor of the year. I was a personal trainer. I was a USSA ski race coach for 11 years as a part-time gig. Like I've always had lots of stuff going on to balance my life. So I think yeah, uh, there, I, there's listeners that are actually exhausted just from listening to this <laughs> first 20 minutes of this conversation. I apologize. I apologize. It's, yeah. just, and it's like, 
I literally, I said this earlier. I'm like, I'm probably firing too much to a fault. Let's like, this is not a brag. This is like, sometimes I'm like, dude, Scott, take a deep breath and slow the hell down and remind yourself that part of life, this is something that I've had to coach myself on. Yeah. It's like, I need to, like last night, I need to slow down and just spend quality time with my girl. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, after all these years, I'm finally engaged to somebody. I was the never ending bachelor because I never wanted to make time for that. Well, so I've taught, it's crazy. Well, I mean, there is, there is this, uh, this adrenaline junk. It's just, it's a real thing, right? It's, it's what the, the Red Bull games are, are, are built off of. Right. Um, and, but there's people, um, that need it and there's people in extreme sports, the skydivers, the bungee jumpers, the, the squirrel suit, wing suit, crazy, yeah. amazing, my wish list. <laughs> amazing to watch, just psychotic to even think about doing. Um, I saw the new point break. It was it was amazing. Like vis- storytelling. Is it just, good? It I'm was like, ah, visually, it's spectacular. I grew up around the old one. No, no, no. no. But, but it's a completely different take. The story is, eh, I mean, it's just like typical Hollywood one one. But the but the visuals and the stunts are just they've ramped it up to like twenty one. But, but is, just, is it is it too much CGI or they no, got some real stuff going on? It's real stuff. They got oh, real God. extreme sport guys in there. And they are doing stuff with like on mountains and just it's I I don't even there's somewhere just there's some action scenes that literally take your breath away, and you're just like and just living for that moment of like seeing it on screen and you got, if you can see it on a big screen even better or just on a great sound system like the story is like weak it's obviously typical you know uh, Hollywood stuff but it's just like some of those scenes the way they took it up to the next level because Point Break was just a guilty pleasure for a lot of people right <laughs> true mean, Patrick, yeah. Patrick, anytime you get Patrick Swayze and uh, Keanu Reeves in a movie together <laughs> which anybody follows Keanu Reeves I'm sorry man the, the guy's like I, I, I did enjoy Matrix but yeah. I'm like, uh, that's all I got really. But everyone, yeah, but everyone has their guilty, I think Keanu Reeves, uh, guilty pleasure, I think movies or something yeah. like that. So they're fun. But so anyway, just back to this idea, like it's a, it's almost like it's in their system and they can't get enough of it. And like, and I don't know if, if you've dealt with this or, or, or struggled with this, the fact that you're always looking for like the next high, the next high. And once you've had it, you know, you skydiving. Okay. That's good. Now what's next? Bungee jumping. Okay. What's next? The squirrel suit. And then what's next? I don't know. Like skydiving into like these sinkholes in mexico like (laughs) you know it's it's funny because what you're talking about is talked about very often by other peers of ours like jld like john lee dumas or gary vaynerchuk where they talk about you know the shiny the shiny ball or the squirrel syndrome when it comes to entrepreneurial initiatives like you know people are just like oh i'm I'm gonna launch this and i'm gonna launch that and the people like oh that's why you're failing because you're not you're not uh following one thing through yep and there's two schools of thought that I've realized on this at my ripe old age of 40. <laughs> uh, I got to bust my own balls on that one. Uh, but I was like, you know, it's, it's like, okay, well, is it a bad thing? Because let's also talk about the, the power of failing at things. Like if you're not trying new things and getting yourself out of your comfort zone, how the heck are you supposed to learn, grow, and achieve new accomplishments in life? Like, mm-hmm. okay, if you've never gone skydiving, once you've done that, you can say, hey, maybe you don't want to do that ever again, but you're like, you know what? Check. Yeah. Like that's pretty much why I decided to leave everything I had and go do wildland firefighting. Because I'd briefly dated a girl. She was going back to Nevada to go be a hotshot, which is the elite of I mean, was, there's two elite groups of wildland firefighters. There's the hotshots and the smoke jumpers. Okay. Smoke jumpers skydive into a fire. I mean, not on fire, but like into that area. Yeah. That that and then they uh, smoke jumpers are usually the first in, okay. so they can scope the area, give feedback if it's a very remote wilderness area, and then they send in the hot shots because we're like we're the other tier of the special forces kind of side of fire where it's like all right, we go in because we we everything is on our back. We hike in like twenty five pound chainsaw on your shoulder. I was a Sawyer, and that's what you do. Mm-hmm. Like that was it. Like I had no idea what I got myself into. Um, it was a very humbling experience. Yeah. Uh, I, I can look back now and be like, hell yeah, man, it was awesome. But I was like, what? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, because the adrenaline junkie is like, oh, dude, if I'm going to go do wildland firefighting and she got to be a hot shot, well, then I want to be a hot <laughs> shot. And I want, if, I, if I don't fall in love with it, I can at least say, yeah. no, that was a hot shot. So it's to your point, it's like, it's a it's a balance. But I look back now, it's like, it was a life changing experience. If I hadn't have done that, Live the fuel might not have been created. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where it's going to go yet. That's the exciting part. But like part of my mantra, fired up, came from being a firefighter. 
Like my mantra, my brand is me. Yeah. And that's, that's like, I look back at it now. I'm like, man, what if you didn't take that risk? You know, granted, I only did it for two years, but because I figured out that, okay, if I do it for two years, I earn a belt buckle. <laughs> my buddy's like, wait a minute. <laughs> Cause he, he's, he's former military. He's like, mm-hmm. you, you went and fought mother nature and walls of fire and hiked in the mountains for 16 hours a day and didn't shower for two weeks for two years. And all you got was a belt buckle. <laughs> I'm like, well, if you put it that way, that doesn't yeah. sound really nice. I was like, oh, this is way bigger than a freaking belt buckle. Yeah. But I told myself and the superintendent who hired me, because I was considered old. I was 31. Okay. He's hiring these guys, just like the military, man. They want to hire you when you're young and impressionable and moldable. They're hiring people fresh out of high school or college break, you know, looking to kick the crap out of the summer, bank a bunch of cash, and then go back to school in the off season or whatever. And then out of that percentile, they'll find those rarities that are looking to make a career out of it and be a good federal government monkey. Um, so as I'm, as I'm hinting there, I decided after two years, like I don't want to be a government monkey mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean, making 40 grand in one summer was cool, but we did 2000 hours in six months. Hmm. If you do the math for a nine to fiver yeah. employee world with two weeks of pay vacation a year, that's what you do in a year. Yeah. So that was a lot of these wake up calls. So being the adrenaline junkie, you, you, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. There's pros and cons to it. <laughs> so why why the firefighting? Like, where what was on the short list, and 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 how did that make it uh, to the finals, so to speak? Uh, number one, I I was back in school, right? I hinted earlier, finishing my degrees on nights and weekends as an adult student. I was in an accelerated program, and that girl had left, and she left a lasting impression on me. Like this girl was into yoga, very crunchy, as I call it. You know, mm-hmm. very. Like, I had never met a girl from Western U.S. Okay, because uh, I grew up here on the East Coast. And she was just so cool and so laid back. Hell, her freaking name was Shasta. She was named after Mount Shasta okay, in California. Cool. And her sister's name is Denali, named after Mount Denali in freaking Alaska. And I'm like, okay, clearly your parents are hippies. Yeah, that's badass. <laughs> I was like, all right. So like, so yeah, for a little while, I admit, it, like she left a lasting impression on me, dude. Like I, I, I was glad I was single because it took me a little while to get over that. It was only like a three-month romance. But I look back now and it wasn't so much the romance. It was... All of the new things that she exposed me to thought process wise, thinking outside of the East Coast box, mm-hmm. right? Seeing new things that I don't have access to here on the East Coast, like the excitement started building. So I'm in my I mean, like if I feel like getting a mental break from studying, I would literally go on Google and look for photos of wild and firefighting. Okay. And I'm studying how to how to how to get how to make a connection. What do I have to get educated on? Like my senior year as an adult, you know, career guy going to school on nights, I took a week off, went to Long Island, New York. And took a wildland firefighting academy and okay. got certified in wildland firefighting with the federal government. And then that's where I made my connection with my instructor who invited me out to Colorado to stay with him and his wife, work for his fire mitigation business in the middle of winter that for the next two weeks to get further advanced courses at a fire academy out there where hopefully I'd be able to network because I'm a business guy, mm-hmm. which that worked to my advantage. And I he connected me with a guy teaching fire ignitions out there who happened to be Recently, an interim superintendent of a hotshot crew based in some of the most dangerous parts of the U.S., which is called Region 3, Arizona, New Mexico is the hottest areas. And I said again, oh, I just leveled it up. Great. I didn't want to just be a wildland firefighter. Now I want to be a hotshot after that certification course in New York. And then I go to Colorado. I'm doing all this. And then I find out, oh, Region 3 is the hardest. Hardest? Great. I want to go there. So, like, it was never ending. And – and I interviewed him right there over lunch at the academy. And he's like, all right, you're older than I'm used to. He's like, I was like, listen, you give me two years. I was like, I, I commit to you at least two years that I will be with you. You can count on me for two years. I'm not going anywhere. I was like, dude, I was like, I run marathons. I do big, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm in, don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. And that's how I got the gig. So really it was just a matter of, dude, sometimes you got to listen to yourself. <laughs> it became an obsession for two years. Yeah. I was Googling, researching. I'm like, I have to do this. I was like, I, when I, when I finished schooling, I literally had finished that academy in September of 2009. I was slated to finish my course load, uh, in 2010, figured out that unless you do a PhD in psychology, it's not, not a big deal. So I found out that I was dual majoring and they said, well, listen, you can graduate January, 2010 and just leave it as a BS in marketing with a minor in psychology. And she's like, unless you're doing PhD in psych, who cares? I was like, Done. So boom, graduated and then went to Colorado for that academy and then already had a lineup and I was basically hired and moving to Arizona that spring to be on the hotshot crew. So I just said, you know what? 
I just committed and got into it. And two years of me being Googling, <laughs> I, I had to take action. That's why I decided to go for it. And I, and I guess like I said, as of two weeks ago, yeah. I could stem this back to me thinking about nine 11. And I always said all these years of doing charity work. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm building stuff for Habitat for Humanity and I'm doing these charity bike rides. And I'm like, wait a minute, this is the ultimate adventure. Like I get to get, I get to say, great, I have a great resume and now I can actually back it up with a degree. Mm -hmm. But what if I don't want to stay in the corporate world? These what ifs would drive me nuts. I was like, screw it. And to be fair, you could technically say, oh, well, Scott was running away from that potential committed life and going for wildland firefighting. And I was like, well, what if I meant to be a federal wildland firefighter the rest of my life? What if I was supposed to go career? I don't like to live with what ifs. And I went all in. I got rid of my 2000 square foot townhouse. Sold everything. I had a sweet oak foosball table and I had a wet bar. Like I had all that crap, you know, all the possessions. I yeah. reduced my life to a 2009 Alp, Subaru Outback that I bought for three grand. I bought every size of these waterproof North Face Base Camp duffel bags, which I still have. I use them to this day. And I fit my whole life into those. So I had six duffel bags, a mountain bike, a road bike, a pair of skis, my camping gear, my rock climbing gear. Like if I got rid of all my gear, my adrenaline jerky gear, mm -hmm. I could my personal clothing fit into one duffel bag. Okay, and I moved west. So, yeah, well, I mean, it's, like it's, it. it's 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 a case of um, following your passion, right? Because a lot of people will talk about it, and a lot of people will just read the articles and watch the shows and the movies and not do anything about it. So, I, I think for a lot of people that are listening, you know, again, they may get the sense of overwhelm that they're they're not even living like a tenth of, of what you are. So I'm wondering. If you're able sometimes, and, and you probably have this discussions, you meet people, normal people in everyday conversations that are, are nowhere near where you are obviously now and are just kind of dipping their toes in the water of, of getting out of their comfort zone. So how do you bridge that gap between someone who is literally still in the nine to five, has maybe been like skiing, that's the most exciting thing they've ever done. and Which is awesome. Yeah, which is awesome. Or maybe the, a water slide. I don't know, but just, <laughs> but just kind of like, can you still? Do you have the the, the ability to place yourself in their shoes oh, uh, God, and yeah. and think about what it was like when when you didn't have any like all this stuff going on? Because I think you you, I imagine you might have these discussions with people and they want to understand because if if you move too fast, you'll lose them and they'll just be like, well, you know, Scott's uh, a, a unique beast and I, I can't relate to anything that he's doing right now. So every time I look at this, I keep this on display. And for the listener's that, benefit? This is my belt buckle. Okay. All right. This is the two years. And, and just so you know, I'm showing this on your camera. This means so much to me because you know, it might not show up on the camera, but there's a serial number at the top of that. Yep. See so that. Yep. every belt buckle they issue to a hotshot who has served with a crew, every crew has their own logo. Mm -hmm. And this is now part of history because they moved the crew since I left to Mesa, Arizona from Pleasant Valley. So now they're now called the Mesa Hotshots. They still use this logo, but I'm one of the last. And we this is officially one of the oldest crews in the country that was still a remote crew, meaning that we were three hours from the city. Mm -hmm. So we had to stay within two-hour callbacks. So this was a very hard lifestyle for a lot of people. This taught me a lot. Um, it changed my life a lot. So one thing I to answer your question is that I remind myself to this day, and I have to constantly remind myself because what I just vomited all over your podcast was adrenaline, energy, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, mm -hmm. I need to be truthful that we are all on different places in the timeline. Mm -hmm. And these are, because I, I work with people, because I have a side hustle business that I, uh, with Isogenics, I have a nutrition business with those guys. And I've had to learn just, just trying to figure that out over the, since 2010, right? Like it's just, I was, I went all in on that in the beginning and, and then the network marketing businesses, it's like, sometimes you get a little freaking crazy and people are like, Oh, okay. I don't want to go anywhere near you. Yeah. And even that to this day, I still have it because it's a great platform and it's a great system depending on the person I'm talking to and depending on where they're at in the timeline. All right. You know, depending on whether that in their health or if they're interested in the business side of it, which very few people are, it's usually like 5% of my team even does the business side of it. So I'm using that as an example because when I came back from the firefighting, for example, that was so extreme. You're living in the mountains with 20 other dudes. Mm -hmm. You don't have access to the regular city life. So when we finally do get like regular official days off where they didn't call us back, dude, I'm gone, man. I'm making that three-hour drive to hang on my boy at his sweet condo in Scottsdale, Arizona with pools and 
all these hot girls and I was like, okay, you're living with 20 dudes. It's like, yes, please. I need to go down here and hang out. Like, oh, this is civilization. So there was, this, is, this was not like all glory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then coming out of that lifestyle, it screwed me up. Uh, so that's something else I want to remind your people here is that, yeah, I have a lot of energy and I've done a lot of crazy crap. But also keep in mind that because we're all in different places in the timeline, what you don't know is that when I left the firefighting for the next year, maybe two years, I was so messed up. It was such an extreme lifestyle transition. I was very adamant about not dating anybody because I couldn't, I didn't want to date anybody when I was doing that job because it just, it wasn't healthy. I was seeing guys I was fighting fire with or they're worrying if their significant other's cheating on them. There's guys who are engaged with kids and they can't see their kid. And like a lot of stuff that the military struggles with and mm-hmm. veterans struggle with. And I'm like, man, no. So like my current fiance, like, dude, we broke up for three months back when we first started dating because I was still literally my words coming out of my mouth. And this is 2013 and 2014. And I'm like, I miss Colorado. I miss Arizona because mm-hmm. I was back living here. I was mentally not living in the moment. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like my, I'm, I'm kind of trying, trying to create a full circle for you to relate to your audience and these people who are not where I'm at is my biggest goal when I'm talking to people is to get in the moment where they're at versus where I'm at because I've been guilty of it. I'm, I, I was holding on to that adrenaline junkie living free in the West. I was hiking 14,000 foot peaks in Colorado, man. Like after I left fire, like all this amazing like photographs that are now being like Facebook. Thank you, Facebook for doing your little throwback updates. Now, like <laughs> it's just vomiting firefighting images and stuff to me literally for the past two years now. I'm like yeah. every, yeah, especially this time of year, like right now I would be on a fire until the end of the month hmm. and then they get, they would lay us off come October. So right now I get that stuff yeah. and I just it remind myself where are you at today and where do you want to be tomorrow? Stop dwelling in the past. Stop dwelling on the, on what you have done or what you didn't do. And I think that's the most important thing that I can convey to your listeners is that I have to remind myself and I even people that I coach, I tell them like, listen, make sure you call me out, dude. Like I'm here as a resource to you. If I'm getting too crazy, too wild, talk to me. I don't want, I I want, I love to push and drive and motivate and inspire people, but I don't want to get them so far out of their comfort zone that they're going to crash and burn. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. I think, um, I think we all need to see the steps sometimes because we see the end result a lot and we see this with and a lot of our friends and peers in the, in the podcasting space um and, and you know we can just focus on that uh and we, yeah. we don't even have to touch about what, what we see in youtubers and social other social media platforms but even just podcasters and i think it's important to understand that there's been a lot of, of stumbles along the way and and i think the challenge with you with your show sometimes is because of the focus you know you want to make sure you're you're the cheerleader on your show um, and I wonder to what extent you've been opening up about your trials and tribulations as the show has grown. It's why I've never, um, and actually, t- yeah, so we'll full circle that angle too, because you had asked about what some tips and tricks to help people understand that if they're not where I'm at, I'm going to use this all right now is like, we'll relate to podcasting. Like I had, I was, a, I started listening to podcasts. Okay. Four years ago, I didn't know what I was doing back then, but I was like, I understand the importance of immersing yourself in areas of life that could be molding you to a better place. So mm-hmm. if you have a bad circle of friends, it doesn't mean you have to disown them. It just means start spending more time in other areas or other circles of influence to start changing your mindset and changing your lifestyle. So sometimes the best way to do it is virtually. There's no excuse. I use this all the time to not turn your car. If you are a car driver, which most people are here in the US of A, turn your car into a mobile university. Okay. Start streaming content off of your smartphones instead of just sitting there streaming through your Facebook newsfeed. Shut down your Facebook app and just listen to podcasts for, let's say, five days straight or audiobooks five days straight. That's what I was doing. I, I, I didn't always want to be a podcaster. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I just need to start thinking differently. I want to start hearing and seeing what the people are doing. I, you know, you start seeing people like Johnny Dumas and you're like, oh my God, I can never do what he's done. How many times do people on listening to your show, my show, it's like, oh man, like, I don't know if I could ever do what Scott has done. I don't mm-hmm. know if I could ever launch a podcast junkies brand or a live the fuel brand. And I never want people to say that, yeah. right? Like we're, we should be inspiring and motivating each other to reach new, new goals in life. 
And that's why when I bring I, I, my show format is co-hosts, which you will be coming on when you're ready to commit, is I don't want to be interviewing you. I want us, like you and I are having right now, having natural, real conversations so yeah. people can totally relate and connect and then maybe bring out some of those inner secrets. So like stuff that I share with you today, I've been doing that more and more over my show. I never did launch an About Scott, oh, How to Live the Fuel Start, episode 000, whatever I hear people now talk about a line. Like, screw that, dude. <laughs> I want people to start learning about me throughout the journey Yeah, because I'm going to start getting more and more comfortable like today aired episode 112, right? Episode 112 is with you and me and a whole bunch of other podcasters hanging out for two and a half freaking hours. I've never done that. That was totally outside of my comfort zone. I'm like, man, what's it going to do to my audience? Are people going to be upset? And I, I realized, I'm like, who the hell cares? If they don't like it, they're not going to listen. Your show. <laughs> right. It's like, okay, you, we've, we've built that confidence now. If I would have thought about that my first 10 episodes, no. Never would have even considered it. We're just at different places in the timeline. That's how I look at it. Yeah. Well, I think it's important because there's so many podcasts coming on board and to the to the uneducated or the the the, the new the new listener, I'm sure they all tend to look the same. And 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 especially, you know, part of the challenge is when the same person starts appearing on multiple shows. I've actually gotten to the point where I almost if I see a name, I don't listen because I I'm pretty sure that I've already heard their story. And, yeah, and and that's probably you know maybe shame on me for not giving them a chance, but I think it's the skill now of of us as podcast hosts. Now, we've got to work harder um, to get people on. I mean, not yeah. not 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 just to get people on, but to get people on and have a conversation that hasn't been had before. And yeah. it gets harder and harder with some of these bigger names. And well, uh, that's why, like, I I tell people all the time to start living a fuller life because I plan on never running out of things to yeah. talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, that's, that's important. So. If you're running out of things to talk about, maybe take a week off from podcasting and go do something crazy. <laughs> I don't know. That way you've got something else to talk about. Yeah. Like, don't live in your little bubble. Like, get outside of the comfort zone, man. That's where life is. That's where the energy comes from. And maybe in the very, very beginning, it's just saying, you know what? I never would have considered doing this. Maybe I should try it. Maybe you're not a runner. Okay, then go go walk a 5K mm -hmm. for charity. There's people who do walks. You don't have to run. Like, you have to walk before you run, yeah. <laughs> right? It's an old slogan. So true. Podcasting. Okay, maybe you never, maybe you never plan on being a podcast host. I never planned on it. I was just enjoying the free knowledge, and and putting in those reps. And the next thing you know, light bulb goes off, and I'm like, huh, I can do this. Yeah. And I have a whole different demographic of stories and history to share. And now I said I never probably would write a book, right? Now after meeting, um. I'm sorry. I just I just had her on the show. I'm blanking. She's airing next week. That sweet young older woman, not young, but yeah, younger energy, <laughs> older woman who spoke Friday night. Patricia, blanking on it. Patricia Iyer. Okay. And she's like Scott. She's like you know you probably already have a book in over a hundred of your episodes already. Oh yeah. She's like as a ghostwriter. She's like I could just go back and listen to all your podcasts and pull the content out. Yeah. And you could have a book. What you don't realize is she's like, you probably have shared a big chunk of your firefighting journey. That could be a whole book in itself. Totally. And I was like, damn, dude, would I have thought about that years ago? No. <laughs> yeah, there's so many, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's just so many, I mean, to your point, as long as you always look to keep it, you're, you maintain an interest in your show and you never get tired of actually recording it because the minute you do, you should probably stop because it'll just come across in your episodes. Um, yeah. You're right, and 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 every every podcast I think has a shelf life. I mean, it could be ten, twenty, thirty, twenty years. I don't, we have yet to see podcasts go that long. There's still that are that are still. What what is the oldest podcast? What's his name? The horse guy. He's been doing it in a while. Uh, uh, Glenn the Geek. He's been. Doing yeah, he and I just became friends on Facebook. Actually, yeah, he's a today. great guy. You'll you'll if you go to if you go to Podfest in Florida, um, which I highly recommend. It's it's another whole crew. It's that same Mapcom vibe. Um, nice. Really really good really good peeps. So, well, my, my, again, my fiance is a horse vet and I keep telling okay. her about the show and I'm like, dude, I think that show is perfect for you. Totally. She doesn't, she doesn't really listen to podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> and all you need is one, like that gateway podcast. And once you're in there, um, yeah. everyone that listens to that first one, inevitably that like they, they find their way to a whole handful. Yeah. I love it. So, it's uh, so true. had a, a couple of, a couple of questions as we, as we wrap up. Um, sure. what have you changed your mind about recently? <laughs> uh, well, literally as of today, 
uh, and I'm not political, uh, but Donald Trump canceled my skydive on Sunday. Donald. So uh, I'm very upset about that. Apparently, where I was going to skydive in New Jersey is near one of his golf courses in Bedminster. So the Secret Service, they just left me a voicemail literally two hours ago at the skydive's place. I have to call and reschedule it. And quick little personal tidbit about me. Yeah. This is the third rescheduling of the skydive. Okay. This skydive was supposed to be my proposal skydive. We were supposed ah. to skydive. And then when she finally landed on the ground, I was going to jump first. I was going to propose to her on the field at the airport nice. where we skydived. Yeah. And then we're about to go up on the plane and they grounded it because I winds. <laughs> and I was like, so we're talking about changing your mind. And like, so, so this will be a big answer to that question. It was just like, okay, uh, we plan on going to a winery afterward to celebrate. And I had friends secretly meeting us there. <laughs> so I'm literally, while I'm waiting for them to decide if they're going to permanently ground us that day, I'm texting people like, okay, dude, you need to hide because you're not supposed to be there. Oh, by the way, those flowers that I delivered, um, <laughs> take the freaking card out of it and go stick them on somebody else's table because it's going to be weird yeah. because I'm going to have to go on the fly and do it there. Oh, and man. my buddy's like, well, why don't you just reschedule the skydive and reschedule the proposal? I'm like, no, nah, man, I'm all in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we went from skydive proposal to winery proposal, okay. which she's a wino, so she loved it. Of course. And, and of course, I told her what was supposed to happen, and she's like, oh, man, that would have been awesome. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you're killing me. Uh, you're killing I, me. I'm sure you still had a memorable day. Regardless. We still rocked it. Yeah. We've tried, we tried rescheduling it a few weeks back. Uh, it was, uh, that was, that was canceled due to poor visibility because of a uh, rain clouds moving through. Now the weather was cleared out for this weekend and they just left me voicemail saying Donald Trump's coming to play golf on his Bedminster, New Jersey golf course. And no one's allowed to be in a parachute within 30 miles or whatever the hell it is of the golf zone because of secret service. Oh I'm like, God. are you kidding me right now? So changing your mind about something. <laughs> how many, how, of, many, how many jumps have you made? Uh, five, six. Okay. I need, I, I, the problem is I need to actually get a jump book yeah. because you need 25 plus additional training to get certified to jump on your own. Yeah. And I've decided I'm going to add that to my to-do list because I've already done it five times and I'm tired yeah. of having somebody buckle to my back. I want to jump free on my own, yeah. but you need to have a certain amount of training and certification for that. So it's like, I'm going to add that to my to-do list over the next three to five years because it, it adds up cost wise too. And I want to oh, yeah. spread it out. I don't want to force it. I want the flow and be fun. Yeah. But I, I got to start logging all the jumps because I've jumped in Arizona, Colorado, northern Pennsylvania, New Jersey. But half of those jumps, I never had a logbook, so I don't know. Those don't count. <laughs> yeah, I did one. I did one once. It was fun. Uh, it, the, the scary part is the takeoff, not the jump, because we were in a plane with no doors, a wooden floor. There's five of us. Me and the guy I'm, I'm strapped to. Oh, you were in a smaller plane. Very small plane. <laughs> I've, I've made it a policy. Here's your best practice. Um, only go in the bigger planes. So yeah. I, I pick jump zones that have a King Air size plane or greater that can take up uh, six doubles or 12 people or greater. Okay. Because it's just a stronger plane. It feels better. The one here in New Jersey, they roll the door up and you fly up with the door wide open. Yeah. But it's just, you feel a little more confident when you're in a nice like cargo area and there's totally. other people there with you. <laughs> it was just, it was fun. I mean, it was just something definitely, I'd, I'd probably do it again, but um, yeah, it was just the, the weirdest part was taking off and just watching the ground get smaller and smaller and smaller. And then the girl went ahead of me and she's standing at the doorway and then one second she's there and the other second she's not. She's just, she gets just sucked nice. out. And I'm like, oh man. And I have no choice because the guy's like, you go when I say we go. You're all in. <laughs> well, and, and I'm so tall that I have to jump for my jumper. They actually say all the time, like, dude, I really can't, like, you gotta, you gotta throw us out. He's like, you're bigger. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, uh, you're the expert. That's He's funny. like, yeah. He's like, I'm just along for the ride. I'm like, thanks. That really makes me feel better. Um, but I, anyway, the only reason why you, you get picked the bigger planes is they go higher. Okay. So I've never jumped below 14,000 feet. Okay. So, Very cool. um, it's, you get a longer free fall. Cause yeah. I, like I said, like, I want all in, man. I want all of it. <laughs> of course you do. What's the, so, what's the one most misunderstood thing about you? Um, that I can't slow down. I mean, we talked about it today, right? Yeah. Like I, you bring up a very, very valuable tip that I need to be reminded about is that I might come off so hardcore and crazy cause I'm so high energy that it pushes people away. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm still human guys. Like I tell people time, like, Oh man, you're the CrossFitter and everything. I'm like, dude, I, I like, I posted a, a video of me doing a CrossFit workout in my garage today. It was a time-lapse. So you just see me like cruising through all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't do that every single day. 
Like I have rest days. Yeah. I enjoy, I enjoy, I'm a big NSNG, no sugars, no grains in my lifestyle, my health. I'm a ketogenic guy. I'm a biohacker. I'm, a, I'm doing all this crazy health research. I got swab, mouth swab test kits I'm going to send in to get hormonal testing done. Like I do crazy crap, but I'm still, dude, I'm still the farm kid, man. Like I, I, I still like, I'll go out to a winery with my girl and we, we drink wine. Yeah. Oh my, oh my God, there's sugar in that. Scott's drinking sugar. And I'm like, okay, it's different, but I'm like, yeah, I mean everything in moderation, including moderation. Right. It's like, right? yeah, I've cut out all the other crap. Yeah. Right. So I can do that and I'm going to still live my life. So like she made fun of me because this Sunday, her mom is buying a freaking ice cream cake for my birthday. And she's like, are you going to eat it? And I was like, all right, I'm going to eat your mom's ice cream cake. Okay. It's my 40th birthday. I think I can handle it. (laughs) Well, this has been a, an, an adventure filled, uh, episode for me. (laughs) That's all I'm trying to do. If you just picked up, you just picked up what I'm trying to do, man. Like I, I love giving as much energy because if I can provide, good content for somebody else's show, it makes me feel better too. Cause it's not about me, dude. Right now it's about you and your show and your audience. So I, I, I hope to bring more than enough. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. <laughs> no, you did. And I appreciate it. And I'm glad we got to connect and, uh, start the building our, our, our friendship. And I'm sure we're going to start to run into, into each other in other conferences, but I'm excited that I can now check off a new junkie to my list. Like I've always <laughs> said, I've been a podcast junkie, but yeah. I haven't been on podcast junkies. Yeah. So officially now. And I just launched a new speaker and appearance page on my website. Okay. So now, I can, now once this goes live, I'll be able to add you to the list because nice. I started embedding. I started embedding all the episodes to drive traffic back yeah. to everybody else's podcast. Yeah. yeah. So I'm a big fan as of that. Marketer, as well. I believe in giving more than I receive. Like you honored me with coming on your show. I want to make sure my followers know how to follow you guys too. So. Very good. Yeah. Well, so what's, where's the best place for folks to track you down if they can even manage to keep up with you, Scott? <laughs> <laughs> well, the website, if you're trying to keep up with me, it's not the website. Live, I mean, everything is livethefuel.com. Okay. Um, all the social media profiles are linked there. Obviously, I'm not a big blogger, but obviously most of the content gets published is podcast related. I've actually designed the site to really lead with the podcast. I'm trying to get really if people want to follow me. Like if you follow Instagram and Facebook, you're going to see a lot more of me going on. And if people personally friend me, I don't care until Facebook shuts me down. And I, I'm at like... I'm approaching the 5,000 cutoff but okay. for friends, but I don't care. I was like, that's why I decided to launch the Scott Mulvaney speaker page, which is now on Facebook, because eventually I'm going to run out of that, and I'm increasing my public speaking, and I want to make sure people can still keep in touch and, and follow each other. But Live the Fuel is everywhere, man. So YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, yeah, we're out there. Well, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it, and uh, I'm wishing you best of luck. It seems like you're on the right path, and uh, nothing but good things in your future. I'm trying, sir. We've got great peers like yourself to follow with. So, Thanks for your time. Absolutely. So thanks again to Scott for coming on the show. So much fun. I love when the energy level of another guest really elevates you to, uh, to, to raise your game. And he's got a really motivating story. And I'm glad we connected. We did a, a back-to-back episodes. So mine is now released on his show already. I'll provide links to that in the, um, the show notes. And I just appreciate him coming on the show. So we had a lot of fun. We are a proud member of podcastica.com. Intro and outro music composed by Cedar and Soil. Check out his fantastic music catalog at cedarsoil.com. Don't forget to support our episode sponsor, Podbean. Head on over to podcastjunkies.com slash dynamic to see the details of their new dynamic ad insertion program. Tune in next week for a conversation with Annette Bone, host of the Dancepreneuring Studio podcast, a fellow podcaster from the West Coast who I met on the East Coast. Interesting story, I guarantee you. If you're staying for the hashtag, then you are in luck because that's exactly what I have for you now. We're going to use Scott Fuel, S-C-O-T-T-F-U-E-L, the hashtag, uh, tag Scott at Live the Fuel, L-I-V-E-T-H-E-F-U-E-L, and us at podcast underscore junkies. Don't forget to sign up to our newsletter to receive my weekly episode updates. And the easiest way to do that is to head on over to podcastjunkies.com slash eight tools and download our free PDF of the eight tools I've used to launch Podcast Junkies, updated for 2017. If you are already a member of the newsletter posse, then podcastjunkies.com slash iTunes is your unique URL, so you can leave us a five-star review, and most importantly, subscribe to the show. Thanks for everything you do, and have a fantastic week.